So another week has come and gone, and here we are reflecting on Cincinnati. Now, I'm still in the UK. Baza, you're in transit back from Cincy. How was the trip? It was great. I've just landed in New York, so a couple of hours uh, flight from Cincinnati to New York, and the plane was, to say I was a little cramped when I got on the plane, um, would be an understatement. But you I, mean you didn't turn left uh, yeah. when you got on? <laughs> there was no left. Oh. <laughs> there was only right. Only right. Um, yeah, and then right. I, I, I made the biggest error of all. I put my water bottle in my bag, and then the next thing I see is water is dripping out the bottom of my bag. Oh, God. Yes. So, so I will find out in 24 hours whether my laptop has survived the travel. Yes. Now, folks, I should say I've been on many travels with Baza, and there's always something going on. <laughs> but, but it always ends up all right in the end. It does. Yeah. All, yeah. all right on the night. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Well, we're, but it was we're a great back. week. It it's was a good. good week. Glad to hear it. You survived the heat and the humidity. Yeah. I mean, yesterday was hot. The finals day was really hot. It was, it was really humid. It was about to be the hottest, hottest day uh, of the week. But... They, they were very, I would say, probably gently surprised that we didn't have much rain. Because when it rains in Cincinnati, it rains cats and dogs. But I think overall, the weather was very pleasant because it can get, it can get over 100 degrees Fahrenheit and the humidity become, become, can become unbearable. So I'm pleased to say that it came down to tennis. It was, it was the ones who showed the form. And, and obviously in the men's, it was Medvedev who's been, who'd been absolutely magnificent in Washington and Montreal. And amazingly, he was able to carry that through for, for three weeks running. And I'm glad he won the final. I thought Goffin played well throughout the week. But the, the last thing that Medvedev would have wanted, Barry, is, is to have lost three finals in a row. And, and maybe the question's be, oh, he's lost the final. Is, is there something wrong? So, and, and, and the way he beat Djokovic as well in the semi, I think he deserved it. It was rightly so that he was a champion. In a way, the way he went around turning around that match against Djokovic in the semis was what he then took into the match with Goffat. That, that serve, the use of the serve and the way he changed the speed. Tell us more. Well, I, I'm sure you agree, Barry. We watch a lot of matches. And, and I think at times players are a little slow to maybe recognise the plan A isn't working. And if plan A isn't working, what's wrong with plan B and swinging from the hip? You might, you might play these top guys 20 times, but if you play cautiously, you're going to lose 20 out of 20. But you might just get lucky. Not that I'm obviously putting Medvedev in that bracket because we're talking about world number five, but for a set and a half, it was a match to be. That Djokovic was winning the longer rallies. Physically, Djokovic looked a lot stronger, but the moment really turned around at, at, at a set set to Djokovic, three all in the second, love 30, and he went big serve, big serve, and then at 30 all, he went big second serve, and it rattled Djokovic, and when I say big second serve, it was 127, and what reminded me when I was commentating on the match was what Kyrgios does, that's why Kyrgios has had success against Djokovic, Djokovic, it took Djokovic out of his rhythm, and it unsettled and it rattled Novak. Yeah, I saw a stat yesterday they put on the coverage of the final, that in the semi, against Novak, his second serve average speed in the first set was 96 miles an hour, which is, you know, no mean speed. It was 107 in the second set, and it was up to 120 average speed on second serves in the final set. Well, he just got the adrenaline rush. Uh, and what was, what was, I think, even more impressive was because 
the pressure was off at three all in the second. So he was just playing with a house's money. In the third, he got the, got the break early. Now, that would be maybe the temptation to say, well, I'm in the lead. Maybe I, I, I don't take as many risks on the second serve. And that was not the case. He still he continued to play the tennis that got him to that, to that position. So I, I, think, I, think for, for, I think Medvedev has shown the way. And I mean, obviously, he's not going to play every match like that. But what was so good, and, and we've talked, haven't we, numerous times this year on our podcast, about on-court coaching. He figured it out himself. That was the gut feeling he had, and that's what he needed to do. And, and even yesterday, he said he was starting to get cramps in the, in the last game yeah. against Goffin. Uh, and then what did he do? Down, down break point, went ace, ace, ace. Incredible effort. And, and it really does stir the pot, doesn't it, going towards New York. The fact that Novak, for all his great success this year again, you know, there is now a bit of a question mark because if, you know, why Medvedev's beautifully prepared, he's come to the boil brilliantly and, and to, to score such a win and, as you say, to show that he can work it out mid-match and turn it around his way is even more impressive. Yeah, I mean, he is the only one in that second tier who's, who's put up their hand and said, I'm ready. I think all the others, I think, are huge question marks for different reasons. I mean, I won't, my position won't change on what we saw last week. Then Djokovic will be favourite, followed closely by Rafa, and then Federer, third favourite. And then now you've got Medvedev as the fourth favourite. Um, what, what did you make of, of Roger's uh, loss to Rublev, who I thought was incredibly impressive in that match, kind of didn't miss. He went for everything you know, and put Roger on the back foot and exploited a, a bit of a rusty performance from him? Yeah, very rusty. I mean, he wasn't half a step slow. He was two steps slow. Um, but no, that's not his age. That's not because he's turned 38. It's because, from all accounts, I don't think Roger has done much since Wimbledon. In fact, he spent, I think, the first week after Wimbledon, he was caravanning with his family. Yeah. So, so I think tennis was, was not necessarily his main focus in that time off up to Cincinnati. And I think it showed. I think he was rusty. Um, what you'd normally expect from Federer wasn't there. Um, the, serve, the serving accuracy wasn't there. He was very slow at the net. But I don't think that's going to concern him too much um, because of the amount of tennis he's played. And then he's got another week to, to make sure he gets himself right for the start of the US Open. I mean, he's my third favourite. But I would still stick to what, what I felt at Wimbledon. If Djokovic doesn't win it and Nadal doesn't win it, he is still right there in the best position. As, as impressed as we all were with Medvedev, Barry, he's, he still has not gone deep in a major. So he's still the unknown quantity, I guess. The other big story in the top half of the draw, unfortunately, was Kyrgios, bad Kyrgios this time in terms of his behaviour. He got a huge fine as a result of all the goings-on in that long, epic match with uh, Karen Hachanov. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, one week he's brilliant. We had the wonderful week in, in Washington, and, and then we get this. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the word that I used in commentary at the end was disgusting. And as you know, Barry, in our position, we, we have literally two seconds, three seconds sometimes to think of the right words. And, and a reflection sometimes, you say, well, maybe that was a little harsh. For me, for me I had no regrets with the word I used. I mean, I, I mean, should we just take our listeners through the whole scenario of what happened? Do. Um, I mean, at the early stages of the first set, he actually wasn't serving particularly well. And, and as we know in Washington, when he, doesn't, as, when he doesn't serve well, being the perfectionist of the years, 
mean, often means implosion. But actually, he kept himself together, and it was it was the curse of the commentator. I said to I said to Adam Fielder, who I was commentating with, I said, "Oh, this is good that Kyrgios is actually not getting too hot and bothered that he's keeping his cool. This is a this is maybe a good sign of things to come for the match." He misses his next first serve and hits the, hits straight away hits the ball into the stands. Warning. <laughs> so we then knew that we then knew that we might have a little spicy spicy match, and and then he just got it into his head with Fergus Murphy, who we had the incident with at Washington, when he said the bottle slipped down my hand. It was also Fergus who was umpiring him at Queen's. But he, he just got it into his head about this Nadal. And Nadal takes, Nadal takes so much longer in between points and you don't warn him and, and you know, you, you, you're, you're having a go at me. And, and he also had the trainer out. So he's having a problem with his foot. After that foot... Um, time at the medical timeout. He, he's serving, you know, 80% first serves in and cannon, you know, very much like Medvedev, big second serve. But he just, he just once, once he goes, Barry, he goes, doesn't he? Uh, yeah, he does. It, it, it sort of came to the boiling point at the end of the second set when, when he he got he got the um, penalty points and then he said, I need to go to the bathroom and he and he took took two rackets to the to the bathroom, um, never made it to the bathroom and didn't come back with with uh, two rackets they were intact um, and the third set just got went from bad to worse but it was the it was the spitting at the end of the match and and the, the language that he was using that that he's got obviously got a $113,000 fine um, but I I think for the spitting that for me was was the was by far and away the worst of anything that happened yeah I mean I agreed absolutely agreed do you think there is a case for a suspension because that's what some quarters were calling for I do yes um, I mean I don't like players not shaking their hands with the umpire but you're not obviously not going to ban someone for that and, and obviously you're not going to ban someone for for getting a warning and you're not going to ban someone because of broke two rackets because that happens week in week out but the fact that it was nine separate fines, so totally $113,000. I'm not so sure that necessarily would be a reason to ban him. But again, I feel so strongly about spitting. And there have been incidents in other sports where players have, have spat. Now, obviously, he didn't spit on the umpire, but he spat in the direction of the umpire. Yeah. And, and also the language he was also yeah, using. There, there was a racial slur involved, wasn't there? Well, that, that was... It was potato, wasn't it? Yes. And, but he also used those words in Washington. He did, but he used them again. And that, you would say, is clearly aimed at the fact that uh, Fergus is an Irishman. Yeah. But the, then, con the connotation I, there. Yes, I would agree. But I think if, if that was the case, then, then he should have been banned after Washington. So and I think, you know, are we going to ban him or, or should he be banned because of his other misdemeanors that he's done? For me, probably not. I think I think you kind of have to judge it on on that on that situation that evening. And I mean, there will be some that make a case, and there may be a very strong case. Well, something's got to be done because it's starting to get out of control. I mean, this is not just this is not just a, a one-off incident, is it? This is going no, back. This has happened before, hasn't it? Yeah. And I would say he is clearly on very thin ice right now. Hmm. any other transgression like this, and I would have thought they will throw the book at him. But I was also 
I mean, I, I love, you know, don't get me wrong, you know how much I love the way yep. he plays when he me plays too. his great tennis. I mean, yep. we all do because it's stunning. It's brilliant. Uh, it, it's something like we've never seen before in many ways, some of the things he's producing now. And you just want him to play like that all the time. Clearly, that's a difficulty for him. He's, he talked in, in Washington about how he was addressing the mental side of things. He's getting some help on that but clearly there are there's a as we've said there's a long way to go yet before he does resolve that I was really interested though that Murray Andy Murray was obviously playing we'll talk about more about him in a moment but in terms of him being present in Cincinnati we know that they have a very good friendship off the court that Andy is somebody that Nick does respect and he's been kind of a sort of a senior figure mentor to Kyrgios in the past, and he said, did he not? I think that they had words after this latest incident, yep. incident, which Andy condemned the behaviour. He said, we don't want to see that in tennis. But he also said, what we do want to see is him, you know, like he was in Washington, playing the brilliant matches that he did there. But you just wonder, well, hopefully what was said in private between the two after this latest incident will have an effect on Nick and, and help towards making him into somebody who, you know, is not going to transgress like this again. Yeah, I mean, I, for me, I, I, I still haven't had seen an apology. And, and I, thought, I thought Fergus handled it very well. Um, I, at times, Fergus can, can be, as an umpire, a little bit, would you say, uh, a headmaster? Would yes. That be, would that be fair? Yes, now, I would agree now with that, that. Now, that's his style. He's a lawyer. And, and he's become a top umpire because of that, because of the way he handles matches. But... What I think was driving Kyrgios mad is that Kyrgios was pushing him, almost wanting Fergus to react, and Fergus didn't. And I thought Fergus had a brilliant, brilliant evening. Now, OK, maybe he should have got the, the game penalty, but I think that was a decision, collective decision, from the umpire and the ATP. But for, for Kyrgios, and, and I agree, and, and I think he's great for the sport. I still stick, even after that night, he's great for the sport. But that doesn't mean that you can't, you can't put the hammer down on him. And, yeah. And, and I expect that the hammer will be put down on him. They can't do anything with the US Open because it's an ITF event. But the ATP can make a stance. And I actually think it should be a certain amount of tournaments. And, and I think what would hit Kyrgios more, it's not of points. That won't affect Kyrgios. I don't think the fine will affect Kyrgios. But I think the biggest, the biggest effect for him would be the, AT, it would be the Labour Cup. Yeah, because he loves the team event. He's been looking forward to it. He's always shone there. And that's coming up after New York. Yeah, and I think that would be a stance, and and I think that so so that will probably be something that that I I would like to see happen. Um, I, I guess it's watch this space, isn't it? Yes. Um, one other factor on that I wanted to ask you about is if you're on the other side of the net, and obviously that night it was Karen Hachanov who managed the situation and, and did really well to win the match, but. Did that in any way, do you feel, have a bit of an effect on him? You know, how rough is it on the opposition, on the opponent who comes up against Kyrgios in this kind of mood, this kind of behaviour? Is it, is it getting out of hand in that respect? I think it's a very good point, Barry. And, and I, I think yes. And, and I felt that for Gilles Simon in, in Washington, that, that Kyrgios said, and, and I'm sure, it's a lot, you know, don't sort of misquote me, but I'm pretty sure it was along the lines, I'm gone, I'm not playing. And that was at match point to Kyrgios. So Simon's waiting to serve, match point down, and there was a delay. Uh, and also the same with, with Hatchanov, that, that you know, he, he was a spare part in the whole Kyrgios saga. And I, but I thought he showed immense strength. 
I thought he really did show what what unbelievable mentality he was on that day. And I, I think it was a little unfortunate the following day he hit the wall. And he really did hit the wall um, at the beginning of the third set. Just just sort of had nothing left because I think how much that match took out of him the night before. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think it's a fair point. And, and maybe some of the players have become a little bit intimidated by the Kyrgios sideshow. OK, well, we'll move on from that. Um, we said we'd talk more about Andy Murray. And, and OK, his first singles venture against Richard Gasquet, it was a very nervy, um, error-strewn start by Andy. And yet there were obviously then signs of you know, the old Andy, the, the brilliant hand skills and the, the, the competitive instincts were there. And once he kind of got into Gasquet's game and Gasquet wobbled rather, you know, rather vigorously at times and, and found it difficult himself, uh, it made more of a second set. In terms of, though, forget that match perhaps, in terms of it's obviously just his first foray back, but now his decision to say, right, I'm done with the doubles for now. This is where I now focus back on the singles. In fact, in a couple of hours after we're talking right now, he's going to be playing tonight in Winston-Salem against Tennis Sangren. So I guess whatever he achieves this week there will, will just be more sort of indication to us and to him particularly as to, to where he's at and what still needs doing. Yeah, the, the, the positive news keeps coming out of, of Murray's camp um, and, and the way that Andy is holding up and I thought last week was a good week again. I mean, he, you know, traditionally Andy's always started slowly, hasn't he, at the beginning of tournaments. Often, often he'll be quite nervous at the beginning of matches. I think that showed and I think also it's a good thing that it means a lot to him that actually this time he feels something exciting could happen further down the line with, with, because his body feels much better and his body was very good the next day which is also encouraging. Uh, I think he's looked stronger in the doubles. I think he's looked, sh- looked sharper. Um, so now's, now's the, the next test, isn't it? I mean, we can't, you know, if we're looking six months ahead, if we're still having the same conversation that we're having now about his game, then that's a concern. But I don't see that's going to be the case. I, I think that very quickly, I think Murray will start to surprise us all. On the women's side, Madison Keys. Now, you would not have picked her at the start of the week. She was on a three-match losing streak to come into Cincinnati. But we do say, we say it frequently, don't we, how you just sort of stick a pin in somewhere in the drawer and somebody will come out of it. And boy, did she. That, like Medvedev, her fifth title, her biggest title, to beat the likes of Muguruza, Hallett, Venus Williams, and then Kuznetsova, all multiple major winners, Baza. Extraordinary effort. The, the crazy women's tour continues, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> the curse of being the number one. <laughs> and and whoever, whoever, I think that's maybe what we need to do, actually, is, is the research for the US Open. Whoever's in the worst form has got to be the picks. So, so maybe it's the player that's lost the first round of, of Toronto and Cincinnati are, are the ones that potentially could go deep. Um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've always felt that Keys has had the talents, but maybe what Keys hasn't maybe necessarily been able to do is win tough matches when maybe she's not playing her best tennis, when a little bit of pressure's on. So you've got to feel that that will give her a huge boost going forward. Um, you know, hats off to Kuznetsova as well, because the Kuznetsova story of wasn't able to play Washington, was to defend the title because she couldn't get the visa, and then, and then does as well as she did in, uh, in Cincy. Yeah, I mean, she's been around forever hasn't she really was playing as a teenager won major titles a long time ago 
now in her 30s and yet having the week she did as you say that the visa issues and had she not got the visa which i think only came up like three or four days before since he um you know that might have curtailed the rest of her year because her ranking is what way outside the top 100 mm. coming into that event but she, she's a proven competitor and just got on a roll with um, some really tough wins in those first couple of rounds beating sloane stevens then beating two of the top three in the world i mean she beat pliskova and she beat barty back to back brilliant yeah barty who yeah i think is still trying to adjust to her newfound fame um, Grand Slam winner and, and being world number one and, and maybe the US Open might come in a little bit too early for Barty as well uh, but Sloan Stevens 6-1, 6-2 because Metzler beat Stevens she is an enigma really difficult player to pick and I think we should also mention about Serena after, after playing so well in, in Toronto and unfortunately having to, to pull out in the final um, she tried to play uh, but, but pulled out before before her, her first round match, her first match, should I say. Um, she practiced that afternoon, but just wasn't able to play in the evening because the, the um, back spasms have, hadn't healed properly. So I think that's a concern as well, isn't it? You it know, really is. I mean, that, that going injured. to New York, yeah, is, is the physical side of things to keep getting yourself or getting yourself fully prepared to play seven matches in a row to win another major, which is obviously the thing that is still being dangled in front of her to try and equal the record that Margaret Court has and then to win another one after that if she can to, to become the outright record holder. In terms of others who featured, I mean, Ozaka, another one who, who's got injured. So um, I don't know how serious that was, the left knee. Yeah, who knows? Because sometimes you can, can maybe have a, with, with an asterisk next to it because it's, it's the last tournament for the US Open. So maybe in the, back of, in the back of her mind was, well, I don't want to push it because I want to make sure that I'm 100% fit for, for the US Open. But she did talk positively, didn't she, Osaka, saying she feels now, for the first time really since Australia, that she's actually enjoying her tennis. So, so that potentially is encouraging for, for Osaka moving forward. But I, I, I look at the US Open and please don't ask me to, to predict. Well, I was going to say, Baz, you said that perhaps it's somebody who's not in form at the moment um, who, you know, coming in. So let's go with Joe Conta. Why not? I mean, she lost to Pedersen, didn't she? Rebecca Pedersen in the opening round, 7-5 in the, the third. And again, she's, what, barely done anything since Wimbledon. She's, she's struggled. But again, she could turn up like Madison Keys in New York uh, and, and get on a roll again and, and, and be doing well in the majors. So I don't think one can discount her, her chances, albeit, you know, <laughs> You never quite want to, you know, you almost hide behind the sofa, don't you, when, when she's on court wondering what you're going to get. Yeah, I think the, the point you make is good one. However, I always put Conta in the bracket and you look at, she did well at the French because she played well in Rome. She did well in Wimbledon because she played well at Rome and the French. She has really struggled since. Why and do you think that is? Why do I think that is? I think the Wimbledon quarterfinal hurt her. Mm -hmm. I think that was a match that that would have hurt her confidence. Uh, and, and we talked about it at the time. I was very surprised with her reaction after that Wimbledon quarterfinal. I think she should have come across a lot more disappointed about it. Yes, she, she can take a lot of... She can be proud of her run at, at the French and, and also at Wimbledon. But you also want to see it hurt. 
and it just didn't. I just didn't get an impression from Conta in her reaction that it hurt that match against um, Stritzer. I mean, that was an unbelievable chance for Conta to actually win Wimbledon. I mean, I don't think we should we should we should forget the, 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 the potential that she had to to win a first Wimbledon title, Stritzer in the quarterfinals, and then with the way the draw had opened up, and we you know we saw Serena in the final, didn't we? The way Serena was nowhere near 100% fit. So I I. I don't want to contradict what I said about you know, maybe I should go for someone who, who hasn't, who has really struggled in the lead-up tournaments, but Conta's always one of those that I think actually needs wins to feel good going into a major. Great, Bazza. Thank you very much for your thoughts. Uh, we'll let you continue with your travels. You'll be back uh, next week. Uh, we'll be obviously looking at the draw for the US Open. We'll have our next podcast uh, once the draw is out. So uh, time to uh, really get into that and uh, look forward to the last Grand Slam of the year. I don't know if that's the final call for you, but I think it's the final call for no, us. And just make sure you go and sort out your water bottle. Yeah. Do you know I think what that call was? <laughs> it says, oh, Barry Cowan, your burger is waiting for you. Ah, why did I think that was probably the case? Baza, thanks, mate. Thanks everybody for joining us. Yep, will do. And uh, we'll see everybody next week.